This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Welcome to the Dogish Podcast, the podcast dedicated to dog parents and the topics, events, and personalities impacting their lives. My name is Sylvia West, and today I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Jason Arias. Jason, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty well this morning. It's very cold here in Reno, Nevada today, but other than that, uh, I get to do the podcast inside, so not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, I am also cold in LA. I was so cold, I grabbed a blanket, but no one needs to know that it's off screen. And you're wearing your new dog. I'm wearing my new dogish podcast swag that. available in the Forever USA store, if anyone also yeah, yeah. Feels like they need one. Um, So I'm really excited about today. Uh, Today, we are taking a dive into one of our mini series that we've started on uh, the Dogish Podcast on Doggy Tech. And we're going to talk to Rasa Giamiena. Yes. That was amazing. Um, Thank you. Yes. She's she's our our Lithuanian guest who's coming on today to talk to us about Doggo app, which is a global dog training app phenomenon with over 3.5 million downloads. She used to be a veterinarian there in Lithuania and Germany. So we're so excited to have her on. And that's three, um, three and a half million in four years. Four that, years. Like that was like, wow. They're rocking the tech world. We're excited to talk to her. We get into all kinds of fun stuff, including animal welfare there in the EU. So uh, let's get to it. Perfect. Welcome, Rasa, all the way from Berlin. I am so um, impressed, Sylvia. <laughs> like, like I, I have Mexican heritage, and I can roll my R's pretty well from time to time. <laughs> Yours, like, 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 caught me off guard. Where did you get that from? Um, I'm like first generation American on my mother's side. She's from Honduras. And oh, that's, like, right, that's right. That's right. 50% Latina. I know my appearance really, it gives it away. I know. Very I look, good. Ex- I'm, I'm look extremely Latin. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also got the really like beautiful German Lithuanian last name in there too, which I was, I was proud of. Um, <laughs> but anyways, Rasa, we brought you on today um, for a new exciting part of our podcast that we're starting on doggy tech, because believe it or not, <laughs> there is a burgeoning tech community for dogs. And you happen to be a part of that community um, with Doggo app, which I have the pleasure of working with time to time. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to chat with you about how Doggo app came to be and like what inspired you to begin this project? What is the Doggo app? Mm-hmm. Yes, so Doggo app is the number one leading app in the world for dog training. And uh, we offer a lot of training programs just to teach your dog some basics, some puppy skills, or you can also choose from the content and basically work with your dog on fun games and activities and mentally stimulate your dog. And um, 
I think the nice feature about us, uh, about us, it's not just training on your own, but basically when you're going through the program and uh, learning new tricks, you can always consult our dog trainers and send a video exam, receive feedback. So basically you are always um, helped by certified professionals. And um, yeah, maybe talking about how it started. So um, before Dogo, I was working as a veterinary doctor. So I was practicing in Lithuania and then in Germany. And um, already 10 years ago, we adopted our dog named Udra, who's actually the inspiration for Dogo, for Dogo app. Because when we adopted her, she was um, quite, quite anxious and, and fearful. And basically, we went to a lot of dog schools to train her and um, kind of help her to go out of her shelf and uh, be a more self-confident dog. However, she really needed this one-on-one uh, -on -one approach and she needed a lot of time. So we kind of started to notice that um, the reason why we are not training her or the reason why we are not doing so much, it's because um, we are maybe not as motivated. So we decided to create a product, me and my husband, for ourselves and for our dog um, to make dog training fun. So it started four years ago and there was no really kind of thinking about business and how it's going to go and how it's going to become a company. We just said like, okay, let's make a challenge, train our dog every day, let, let us ourselves help um, to kind of un unpack her fear and uh, make her con confident uh, little dog. So yeah, we started four years ago as a hobby project, but... Um, I would say since two years, we are full in working full time with a team of 14 people. Wow. So it grew really fast. Like, I mean, so, so how long was it just you and your husband then? Um, I would say for a good year. And then we had another two people helping us out because at that time we were working full time. So we just had yeah, some, some extra hands on iOS and Android who were developing the app once we started noticing that yeah, there's traction, there's interest, and overall, like, in the end, it's not just project for ourselves, and actually, people need it and are looking for it. So, so I know you said Doggo is available worldwide. It is the number one dog training app around the world. Can you just share with our listeners exactly how many languages you can train your dog in on Doggo app? Yes, so we have 11 languages currently, and uh, the newest addition is the Japanese language, which was, which was like a very interesting experience like to go to Japanese market. And um, we have dog trainers in all those languages in uh, many countries who are certified positive dog trainers. That's incredible. So how many trainers in total do you think you have? In total, we have a bit more than 20 dog trainers. Wow, that's incredible. And like, so how does that like, like my mind is going in different places because the, the culture has to be very different versus here in the States and even where you're at in Berlin and Japan, like all of these different countries, um, like maybe like, what are some of the similarities, but what are some of the differences too, between, between the different cultures? Mm, that's a great question. Yeah. As I mentioned, one of our features is this video exams. So we actually get to see live people doing training and attempting to train their dogs at home. So you can see clear differences between South American market and let's say German market. I think as a vet, I also have this experience like when I moved from Lithuania to Germany to work as a vet, people are super well informed and they know like 
you know, the welfare of the dog and the needs of the dog and how should you talk to the dog. So there's like a whole culture of training, taking care of the dog. And um, you can see in the exams, like people are quite precise, like with giving cues and rewarding. And um, I think in South American market, it's a bit different. We often see uh, dogs being dressed as dolls and like <laughs> the way people talk is um, very different it's more emotional like oh lovely 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 you know but it's more like a game um, and there's quite a bit of um, let's say education to bring about uh, dog needs and how the dog training should be done and I think the other extreme like from German market is Japan it's um, kind of they have 10 million uh, dogs in the households and there are actually the number of dogs is increasing since 10 years but the number of children is actually decreasing and the dogs are really replacing the position of a child so um, even if you go to a pet store in Japan you would see more boogies and um, diapers than true dog toys so I think in Japan we also have this challenge to say like okay Dog is a dog. You you can love the dog as much as you do, but you also have to train the dog and allow the dog to be dog, you know. So I think it's very interesting and it's interesting to work with um, dog trainers in those countries because they know well um, kind of the market, the people's psychology and how how should you talk to, to, to the dog parents. Awesome. I think that's a perfect place. We're going to take a quick break and uh, more more questions about this when we get back. Okay, so we just got done learning uh, some of the cultural differences in the in the training world with the dog up. Like, how how big are you guys planning on getting with this? Like, how like how many countries are you aiming for? Is the sky the limit? Like, eventually you're gonna have Doggo app on Mars once we get there and do all of those things. Like, like how big do? What, what, like, what's the future for this look like? Mm -hmm. I guess like our main belief and um, kind of positioning of ourselves is that. Dogs need uh, lifelong training and lifelong stimulation, mental stimulation. And ideally, whether it's with Doggo or with another app or dog schools, like we would like to really encourage people to train the dogs and work with them, not only when they are puppies, but actually throughout the, uh, throughout the age and especially when dogs are turning a bit um, senior. So just to prevent dementia and to kind of stimulate them, not maybe physically, but mentally. So I guess, of course, uh, we would like to be present in many markets and um, like also China is a big growing market and um, something also on our list. But um, I think the most important thing is yeah, to, to, check, to spread this word that dog training is not just a two-month activity, but actually a lifelong ongoing journey with your dog. I, I can totally see the impact. I think that's one of the things that I've learned a lot from this show is the benefit of not... I think sometimes when we talk about dog training, at least as a novice, um, we like I, I almost sometimes have thought of it as like it's to improve my life to make my life easier to 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 solve issues that are bothering me or things like that and really missing out on the the big impact that it has on the dog's life and the relationship that we would have together with that 
and um, and you even mentioned like longevity and and keeping their brain active. Like that's one of the one of the big things that has been just eye opening. And now you guys are giving people access to this um, in their homes and with everything that the world's going on with right now with COVID and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, I would imagine that's been a huge benefit for people using your app because they can have that constant connection and and mentorship of working with their dogs have you have you have you noticed things like that yeah i'm i'm sure you're aware like during uh, first lockdown second lockdown like basically there were no puppies to to find you know like none, uh, none. like uh, i was searching for a puppy for my parents it was just like you know a competition of 80 people like trying to get the same rescue dog from a shelter and i was like okay that's nice that's good like um i hope the, the dog finds a, a good home so um yeah and talking to a lot of um our users like we were the solution for training the dog because um yeah, at the time, there were no dog trainers to go to, no dog dog schools to go to, and we were kind of, you know, the gateway to to the dog dog's heart and and then uh, mental well being. And I think, as you mentioned, kind of the positioning of ourselves is um, we're not competing with real world uh, socialization and dog training and dog to dog connections, and we think like this go out to the world and meet and, and sniff and train with other dogs. It's like super important, but we know that no, no not everybody can like go to a dog trainer every day. Um, and this is kind of not, not realistic. So I think what we are offering is really this dog trainer in the pocket where you can just take five minutes, uh, learn some fun activity and yeah, kind of have a portion of that during the day easily accessible. And I think that's what's so interesting about the platform too, because as a trainer who works on the platform, I've had other trainers call me and ask me why they should sign up to be on the platform. How is this going to affect their business? And the way I always explain it and look at it is this is supportive care because at the end of the day, your trainer doesn't go home with you, (laughs) you know, and, um, when you complete a class or a series, I always have to tell my clients, like, this is, especially if you have a puppy, this is going to get worse before it gets better because it's a puppy. So even though we've done this core learning, it has to be maintained and sustained. You know, we as humans go to school for 18 years of our lives. Uh, Some of us more if we want to be a doctor. And I just think it's really fascinating to start to see the shift where people are starting to understand like, oh, my dog also needs to go to school for a significant amount of its life in order to process and retain this information to make it normal. It's a lot like if you sat down and learned your times tables and then never had homework, (laughs) you'd never know how to multiply anything because you just never practiced. So I think what you're offering and I think what I love about Doggo and this whole idea of doggy tech is you're literally taking the virtual homeschooling platform and just doing it for dogs. Um, So something I picked up on that I really want to dive in with you is, is that your dog is a rescue. And um, what is the rescue community like there on the, literally on the other side of the world? I was thinking the same thing. Mm. <laughs> yes, so maybe I can start with Germany. And um, yeah, I think in Germany, um, yeah, people are quite lucky because 
there's very few shelters, there's very few rescue dogs, and actually most of dogs are uh, rescued from Mediterranean Sea countries. So there are a lot of organizations that work oh, like in other countries, and they are German companies, and they just organize um, yeah, first health, then uh, kind of psychological help to, to the dogs, and then um, recognizing the needs and character of the dog, and then um, kind of setting up the system to um, yeah, match the, the dog parent with the dogs that are in Mediterranean countries, and then actually bring the dog to, to Germany and find a new home. So, um, yeah, I think there are, like, next to Berlin, there is a big um, rescue, um, but it's the only one. And I would say, like, yeah, Germany is doing quite well, and a lot of dogs are mixed breed dogs. Um, so about 40% of dogs are mixed breed dogs, and a lot of them are kind of brought from other countries. So you and, guys have just, like, no strays running around from what I'm hearing? No, no, no. I, I think... Just- no. <laughs> Do you? In LA? Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> really? None. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. I mean, literally uh, last weekend we were recording a podcast and Jason woke up to someone had abandoned a puppy in his yard. Like he has a new, he has a third dog now because someone abandoned <laughs> a dog in his yard. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I would say like of course these like single cases they happen. We know like when the um, summer season comes, like autobahn, the smarter way, like you can find a dog there because people go on holidays and the dog uh, stays behind. Like these cases happen, but there there aren't large rescue centers um, that kind of take the dogs from the street from Germany. There are a lot of rescue centers, but as I said, like most of dogs come from other countries. And uh, where I come from, from Lithuania, so I think there's a big division between village and um, and city life. So in, in the city, you would not see straight dogs. Like if, in this case, there's, of course, organizations that kind of take care of that. And in villages, it's more like, yeah, dogs live there on their own and um, to, to, to their nature. So, yeah, there are a lot of puppies born also seasonally. So two very different approaches. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like it's very split, like between the villages, which is a little bit smaller and the dogs seem to maybe incorporate into everyday life a little bit more, as opposed to like in the cities, there's very few strays. Yeah. I would say the mentality, like kind of um, in the villages, people don't really uh, neuter the dogs Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of mishaps and uh, kind of... uh, pregnancies uh, happening and then we have a population of puppies increasing during um, spring and then autumn as well but in cities I think like most of people yeah like we have a dog on the leash or they are neutered and uh, there are no strays. What about different types of breeds like and same thing like back to the the cultural thing around the countries it's something I've never really thought about but like here we have very common breeds um that would be common to hear do you guys have do you see different breeds in different parts of the world that that are more common 
Mm -hmm. I would say we see always trending breeds and probably you see also in LA, like, um, I don't know, just recently it was French Bulldogs and Pugs and then it was Shiba Inus and uh, maybe before French Bulldogs it was Yorkshires and West uh, Highland Terriers. So I don't know if you have the same breed. So it's always um, cyclical. And currently it's probably Border Collies and Australian uh, Shepherds. Um, so it's here too. <laughs> yeah. So I think like media plays a big role in into this. And um, in Germany, we actually had quite a nice law because um, a lot of these brachycephalic or like short snout mm -hmm. dogs, like French bulldogs, pugs, like it's recognized that they might have uh, respiratory distress and they have might um, problems with breathing. Um, and, you know, a lot of um, advertisements and, and media kind of would take these dogs because they are super cute. They have huge eyes and like such a baby face, you know, and they would put on, on ads and then everybody would love to, to have them at home as well. So basically, if you have this dog with possible precondition with um, breathing problems, then we have to make a note like, okay, this um, breed actually suffers from respiratory distress and uh, shop or adopt carefully. So I was really happy to see this law come into force, like where pe like we actually talk, it's not just a cute dog, but actually you should think about also the health problems. And um, yeah, so I think about breeds in Lithuania, um, we still, tend to prioritize uh, breed dogs over shelter dogs. And I think yeah, there's the cyclical change as well, like which dogs are more popular. And there's always like a, a version for small breeds and then a version for large breeds. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, before we get there, Jason, I know he's on fire today. Talk about this. He's like, hold on. When we get back, Jason has even more questions. But what else is new? He has a curious mind. We'll be right back. Okay, I was I was cut off from my, my question earlier, so let me regroup myself and, and get back in the Oh the god. He's state. regrouping. It's very serious. <laughs> So you mentioned that there's laws in place about uh, making sure that people are aware of the um, like the breed that they may be bringing into their family and what to be aware of and the health concerns and things like that. Um, but over here, the whole word breeder and and a quality breeder and a backyard breeder like there's there's a huge difference. Do you guys have some different laws that also affect breeders? Like what is a what does a quality breeder dog breeder look like? I think one of the nice uh, changes I've seen in some countries, um, so basically when you issue a European passport, which is needed um, to go to competitions, which is needed to travel abroad, and which is probably also comp for competitions, you can't write golden retriever if you don't see uh, breed identification um, from mother, father, you know, all this pedigree line. So if somebody comes to you and like, definitely looks like a golden retriever and the person says like it is a golden retriever you can't write it down and then it changes the mentality of the person you know because mm. they just bought a golden retriever for like four hundred dollars or something and then you say like nah it's not and then you start this debate and then people feel like okay you know i bought this dog thinking of like of course like nevertheless the dog is wonderful healthy and everything is good but i think it's important to recognize that 
it's like the pedigree line and the documents that are issued by, um, I don't know, AKC or like signify something. And you can't call any dog that looks a bit like a, I don't know, a French bulldog, a French bulldog, because it could be also a mixed dog. And I think, you know, it's a bit post factum because the person has already bought the dog and they, they have like this friendly, friendly relationship, but it starts a conversation uh, between people and vets and um, about yeah, being a breeder and who, who is a breeder. Like we have a lot of non-governmental organizations who are trying to track those things like illegal tra trafficking, puppy mills and kind of publishing these stories like to, to make people more aware of those things. And um, yeah, to be a breeder, you have to fit certain criteria. You know, you have to go to dog competitions. If you have a breed that has diseases, um, you have to have like certificates for hip dysplasia or I don't know, retinal atrophy or whatever is required. So um it just sounds like the policies are a lot more stringent to in order to be identified as a particular breed. Am I get, getting that correctly? Um, I'm not sure how it is in U.S., but I would say we are on the right track to to moving towards like okay definition of a breed dog and um, mixed dog or um, um, a mutt dog and. Um, when we talk about dog welfare or pet welfare, I think we also have quite good laws. So, for example, if you like, we don't allow cropped ears, we don't allow cropped uh, tails, no declawing for cats, and um, I would say you like no electrical uh, collars for training. And we are moving towards a good direction, and we are standing more for like we saying European Union standing more for animal welfare than just um, the ease of having a dog or the cuteness of, uh, I don't know, shortened tail or whatever. <laughs> yes, for whatever purpose that may be. Um, yeah, and I think was, that's, go ahead, Jason. That was one of the things that I picked up on that like really caught my, my ear was uh, like, if we're making people aware of the health issues that could be bred into these dogs, and you've mentioned pugs a couple times, and like we have a pug mix and i remember sitting and watching with the boys um a documentary on like where our dogs came from it's on the disney disney plus app it's really cool um but they mentioned like like pugs did not originally have those very short noses like that is something that us as humans are breeding into this dog at the expense of their health which is just wrong like i like i can't see any way around it to say that this is a good thing when we are putting these these health issues into our dogs and so to find out that other countries are actually going out of their way to make sure they know like hey this is this is something you're gonna have to be aware of and maybe we can get rid mm -hmm. of some of that stuff maybe i can add on i'm not sure if it's already enforced or not but basically if you have like in germany if you have a brachycephalic dog and you want to breed one then you have to have a fitness test so basically the dog is running on a treadmill and then they are counting how many minutes it takes the dog to come back to its normal respiratory rate so you know because there's no predisposition and like actually everything is functioning quite fine the dog should be relatively fit and not to be out of breath after running on for three minutes on this treadmill um, because of course like if it has respiratory problems then like we have all this cascade of um, health issues mm -hmm. 
So basically what I'm hearing is like the EU is doing such a much better job <laughs> at protecting animal welfare. No, I think um, I think it's really inspiring. And I think that it's a great, you know, example. And I think it's a it's a good it's a it's a nice line to see and be like, OK, this is possible. You know, so if, if you are passionate about animal welfare, like these little things you know, it's like it's a small law about just having healthier pugs and French bulldogs, but it can be life altering for an entire line of animals. And the thing that I want to pick back up on, which is really your specialty with with dog training and the dog go app, even though you spent a long time as a veterinarian. So your health insights are obviously nuggets of gold for us. But um you know, when we're when we're looking, something I picked up on you saying is like e-collars are not allowed there anymore. And, you know, we Jason and I have had private discussions about the difference between balance training and positive reinforcement training. And what I love about the dog. We're going to share with everybody. I don't need to, like, like, oh, we've had these secret conversations. Secret. We're going to record it. one. It'll be like <laughs> it'll be bonus content, maybe on our Patreon. I'm just kidding. We don't have a Patreon. Um, but, but what I wanted to kind of touch base on. So just to kind of wrap wrap everyone's heads around some numbers, how many downloads, because you say number one training app worldwide, how many downloads does Doggo app have currently? Mm -hmm. We have around three, three and a half million um, downloads. So three and a half million. That's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. That's three and a half million households who have made the leap to positive reinforcement based training at home with yeah. their dogs. And it's going to be that three is and a half number. million and one after this one, <laughs> which is that's even bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Much bigger. I mean, that's, um, listen, but every one person, like changing one person's mind about setting down the remote and picking up the treat pouch is, is one person in the right direction. And so I just want to take a quick second to applaud you for really just... That's a huge amount of people whose lives you're probably changing. And you talk a lot about education and like the differences culturally. Like what's some of the feedback you get from people in other cultures who maybe didn't even know that positive reinforcement was a thing? Or they're like, I didn't know I needed treats to train my dog because I'm sure culturally that's there are shifts happening. Mm -hmm. Maybe to quote one thing, it's not directly maybe re related to your question, but I, I just love how dogs pick up, you know, and they love doggo and how they show it. So basically, if you want to train, you can also set a reminder, um, like, okay, remind me on Tuesday, Wednesday to train my dog. And uh, the reminder goes off at 4 p.m. Two minutes before 4 p.m., the dog is standing there and waiting for the treats because fun time is coming. Um, yeah, about education of people and helping them, I, we have almost 100,000 reviews and like our average rating is 4.8. And um, we hear a lot of stories like how quickly it changes their lives and the bond, you know, just taking a few minutes um, a day and kind of building this understanding of each other's language and um, kind of starting to communicate with your dog, like starting to like your dog more, bringing the dog out more, the dog is relaxed more outside. And it's like a vicious cycle of happiness. You know, you start with something super, super similar, uh, simple, and then kind of it escalates to this like, yeah, being 
together outside and having a good time compared to, okay, having a dog who's always pulling or barking or lunging and, uh, and not listening to you and kind of embarrassing you in the public. So Amazing. And yeah, I think I cannot highlight and stress what you've said several times in case our listeners didn't pick it up. This isn't an hour. This isn't half your day. It's a couple of minutes. It's a couple of minutes to really reshape and reorganize that human animal bond that we focus on so much here at Dogish. And it's really about recreating your relationship with your dog. Is that, does that sound about right? I, w- I would say so. It, it's a good start. Like start with a few minutes and uh, then you can increase, but it's a good start. Yeah. Awesome. So I think this is a perfect place to take a little break. And when we come back, um, more, more interesting tidbits from our friend Vanessa. So something else that's been kind of sitting on my mind, I'm always fascinated uh, when people have like a shift in their career, even if it's like I shifted from architecture to photography and that photography turned into dog related. Now we're doing the podcast. Like there's all these different things. And you went from a vet into in the tech industry of the, you know, the dog world and training world. Like what are some of the, like what's something maybe you weren't expecting, you know, positive, like what's maybe some impacts or something exciting or something that you miss about being a vet? Um, like what are some of those differences that you might see between those two roles that you've shifted? Mm-hmm. Um, so, f- yeah, for, for first of all, I guess what I really like is to kind of understand more areas and how everything functions. So it's not like only veterinary, but also, you know, product development, dog training, dog behavior, um, human interaction, customer service. So I think being a co-founder of a company like makes you kind of knowledgeable in many areas and you have to have quite a broad portfolio. So I think this has been a big opportunity for for me and I, I really enjoy it. And um, the reason I joined Doggo kind of and decided like to, to be part of it full time, even though like the idea started also with, with me and my, my partner, is because I really believe in the product. I, I kind of it's very close to, to my heart. So I think like I've been um, interested in getting a bit deeper into the topic and getting to know uh, dog psychology a bit better. Um, the thing I miss um, from veterinary medicine is this one-on-one interaction with people because, um, you know, per day you have, I don't know, 15, 20 clients and you build a bond with each other and you uh, talk person to person. And it's also very um, rewarding when you, like after half an hour you can solve a problem and you can help somebody. So, and during the day, you have a lot of these um, snippets of happiness and calls like that somebody's doing better and, um, you know, you have a problem, you solve it, and then you have a reward of happy, happy dog, happy, happy cat and happy dog parents. So I think this instant reward and um, so, so something that I liked in veterinary medicine and I think now when working in Doggo, it's more like a long-term strategy and like long-term um, benefits of it and um, yeah, kind of getting reward from that. 
I mean, you literally went from creating this change in these little happy moments in like in your in your little in your country of like Lithuania to global mass change. So, I mean, that has to feel incredible, though. Um, I, you know, when I have a bad day, I read our reviews and I think it really boosts um my energy and really kind of showcases that something that we are doing is great and it's helping people. And um, yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to people also one-on-one -on -one and to understand better how, where, where were they and where did they get to and yeah, how Doggo contributed to this like stronger bond between them and, and, and the dogs. So it is, it is rewarding. It is uh, fun and yeah, looking forward to how it's going to develop uh, further. What's one of your favorite reviews that like when you're having a bad day, because <laughs> I have one that I like, I just reached down and I screenshot and I'm like, this one makes me feel the fuzzies. Like, okay, I'm, I'm good at what I do. I am a good dog trainer. Like, what's that one review for you? Do you, and do you have one? I guess it's the one that I quoted where the dog actually like a few minutes before four is already waiting and uh, how excited the dog is. So I think the, this is my favorite one. I love that. That's I'm amazing. Excited to try that. Like the, the, that, that sounds like Europe if I've ever heard like, in, like here in the United States, I'm like, Jason Bourne, are you nearby? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the the time thing like I I know we all have internal clocks but the the accuracy I, I've seen it in you know my parents dogs and and even our dogs when it's time to get up and stuff like that but being able to use that I guess I've never really thought about using that as a as a training mechanism like I I can see every time I bring something up like this I see Sylvia's perched lips like Jesus Jason why don't you know this stuff? no not at all I just every time something like this comes up I just get so giddy with excitement because I'm like one more dog nerd and I, <laughs> and i'm like okay if jason is this excited about it like i can just imagine like a listener who's right. not you know is just a dog mom or is just a dog dad and is not engulfed in you know like the three of us who took our crazy dog parent love to the next level and created businesses around it like how excited they must be to just know that like they too can have an incredible bond with their animal you don't have to be a professional to have this 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 kind of union with your pet so go jason i'm like i love it no no, no. it's just like again it's it's fascinating and it, it um the amount of stuff that we don't know that is such a a positive impact like that like that always shocks me every single time we talk to somebody new and and we are seeing how we can whether it's something as simple as a dog tag or as advanced as online training that we have at the power of our phones to take anywhere with us and and the impact that we can make on our dog's lives and how much of it is just like not like oh kind of new we took a little step it's like this whole like eye-opening experience into something new into something different and to be able to share that with the world and then you've taken that step of being able to make that impact like you said on three and a half million people's lives it's just i i i think the emotional side i get i really fall in love with how it's bringing people together through a pun intended positive experience and and um uh, around some just love in the world, right? Like like you've brought three and a half million people 
around supporting not just their dogs, but in 11 languages, in 11 languages, right? All the different countries and like building their family. Like a lot of these people, like they're looking, they're, they're desperate for ways to communicate with possibly their only friend, their only family member, and you've given them access to that. And so that's just, that's so meaningful. Like, I, like, I don't even know how to put that into words sometimes. And so, yeah, like I, I know Sylvia already said bravo to you. But, like, that's really cool. Thanks a lot. Um, I guess for me, the book that really inspired me and kind of changed the understanding of um, how I think of dogs, it was, I think, by, by Dr. Philly. It's called Chaser. It's about a border collie who knows like a thousand words and can communicate uh, with, the, with the people and kind of know the meaning of the words. We can categorize the words. And this person was working with his dog eight hours a day. So basically for four hours physically and for four hours uh, mental training. And for me, it was like an eye opener. Okay, if actually every dog would go to dog schools as children go to uh, schools like there's a big genius there's a genius in dogs that we can really unlock and you know the fragment the fraction that we actually see and unlock with our dogs is probably still very small just because we don't invest so much um, time and and effort and if it was obligatory to bring your dog into dog schools every day for a few hours I think we would um, see another side of the dogs and um yeah, as emotional animals, as service animals, I think there can't be any anyone better than a dog who can like lead you in the journey of life and yeah, assist you. So, dog leading you through the journey of life. He has good timing. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, mommy, I'm so smart. You miss all of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just absolutely incredible conversation today with you rasa and and um we have a very very important way which we close every show i've got it ready too it's very important so jason <laughs> all right are you, are you ready <laughs> so. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna tweak it just a little bit to be uh, uh to be apropos for for our situation so so how does a dog stop a podcast show there's somebody out there that's got this one for sure is there a question yeah yeah how does how does a dog stop a podcast Presses pause. <laughs> Good one. Dog dad joke. <laughs> that one was, I think, one of the better ones, Jason. So you like that one? I did. It was good. And yeah. it was it was very um on par today. Yeah, so there thank you, you go. for that. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Raza, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Germany. We had such a lovely time talking to you. Thank you for inviting. It was fun. Yeah. I want to take a quick second to thank everybody that joined us on today's uh, podcast, as well as you always, Miss Sylvia and Miss Rasa from the Doggo app. Um, I know I learned a ton. I'm excited to, to be able to share that with everybody else. Uh, anything that we talked about on today, especially um, a downloadable link for the Doggo app, will be in the show description just below. Um, so make sure to check us out on social media. Check doggo app on social media check out dog up in this bitch on social media uh check out forever usa photography on social media um and if there's check out the forever usa store oh, to yeah, get yeah, your yeah, yeah. We got our your dog, doggish, doggish swag. Shirts. i got i still got to get mine 
And then always, as always, let us know if there's a topic or a personality, uh, something that you want us to uh, hit on with the uh, with the podcast. So until next time, uh, hugs to all of you guys out there in the doggo world. And we will talk to you guys again. Soon. Oh, and yeah, yeah. quick note, if you use uh, the doggish podcast link to download the doggo app, you will get a 25% discount Dang. on your yes, get access to trainers worldwide who will give you live feedback on what you and your dog are up to for 25% off That's just because you're our listener. That's yes. Nice Thank you for listening. We love you. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.